You're killing me. I should have had the same recording when you walked in the room. I'm going to take my headphones off here. Well, good for you, Mike. <laughs> Are you going to take your, as long as your pants stay on? You fuck. Do we want to pour these first? I don't know. I think the sound effect is nice. Okay. <laughs> well, let's get them out of the, the contraption. I brought you two because you might like it. You might want another one. I'm thinking about you. I'm sure I won't like it, but it just seems... <laughs> You're funny. You didn't try one already? No, I'm like... Really? We're doing a show here. How, why am I going to try one already? How's that going to... Well, I just... You saw... I saw that... I thought maybe you crashed... Cracked into you know, three of them already. Hello, I'm Michael Worth, and this is the All Walks of Art podcast, a lounge-like pub-style drinking show for creatives and artists from all walks of life. Find a comfy chair, pour your favorite beverage, and enjoy the show. The main topic of today is perception, specifically how others see our work as artists. Some people give artists unsolicited advice about how to create their work, and sometimes through collaboration, advice gets tossed around like a doobie at a Grateful Dead concert. Paul and I try to analyze the concept of how others might have great ideas for us, even if we didn't like it and when we might want to ignore their advice altogether. Without further delay, allow me to introduce my co-pilot of art culture, the godfather of shenanigans, the bringer of ale on a Sunday afternoon, Mr. Paul Ramey. Greetings. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. This is how, fantastic. How are you doing? That's the question. I'm doing really good. I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping we're doing good. As I'm looking at the meters here, I know I didn't turn anything up, but yet it is louder. So, Yeah. It's loud is good. Yeah, right? loud is good. We've got a, a good ale here today. Do you, we? You brought something from a company called Brew Kettle. Never heard of it. Yeah, they're up uh, Strongsville, Ohio. Is that right? I don't know. Northern Ohio, near near Cleveland. Oh, yeah. I like Cleveland. Cleveland Akron's near favorite. Cleveland. Hello, Cleveland. <laughs> WKRP in Cincinnati. That's the other way. That's what I said. <laughs> Cincinnati. Anyway, this, this beer called Perfect Strangers it is a coffee pale ale. Kind of goes really good with our conversation today about collaboration sort of thinking in terms of perception right uh, yeah sure a All coffee right. pale ale i don't know what that means but well being a pale ale why has it got coffee it's got coffee in it i would yeah yeah and that's the thing too i, I looked at that milk. it's a uh, the the coffee is made by hoof hearted yeah so who's that hoof you drop you, you drink them but if you yeah they're they're also, they're also a really good uh, brewery themselves they're the ones who brew south of 11 that nice killer ale yeah, let's let's get into this. People are waiting, waiting patiently. Am I supposed to pour this in the glass here? Yeah, please. Oh, you get that sound. Maybe I got louder when you uh, when you showed up. I think I do that. We even started drinking Look that. that. Look how good that looks. That I am looks the man. Really good. It's kind of you know when you when you think about it and you're looking like you're reading the can right, and it's like got coffee in it, but it's a pale ale. Coffee usually goes in porters, right? So I'm uh, I'm kind of excited about this. Got a nice aroma to it. Go sure hit that. See what you think of that as we get into the topic. It's terrible at the beginning. It has one note just in the middle where it's not awful. And then it's <laughs> terrible again. <laughs> it's interesting, though. It's got three phases. Let's see, let's see what I think about it because you, uh, you don't drink beer very much. Well, you only drink beer with me. So I drink can... a lot of beer every yeah. other Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you like us. I do like that. See, that's why I brought you an extra can. It's got uh, a lot of head. It does have a nice bitterness from coffee, like a coffee bitterness. Oh, yeah. That hides the hops a little bit. I'm intrigued by this. Mm. I really am. The brew kettle did a very good job with this. All right. Well, good for you. Good yeah. for brew kettle. You drank it. I ain't drinking it. Uh, <laughs> you don't like it? Hmm. I don't. I mean, I don't despise it like some of them. It don't taste like a pine tree. So that's good. Yeah. 
All right. Well, you know who else are perfect strangers? Uh, Deep Purple. Well, they're, they're both dead now, so they are definitely perfect strangers. But Paul Gauguin and Vincent Van Gogh, or Go, Never as a lot of people like guy. to say it. Uh, Paul Gauguin was a uh, also an Impressionist painter. He reached success long before Vincent did. So Vincent treated him like a mentor, kind of had a little bit of a, I'd say a man crush on the guy, to be honest with you, because he was just like, you, you really have to, you know, Van Gogh was like uh, really wanting to bring Gauguin into his, uh, he, he needed him, right? Mm-hmm. It's like he really did. And uh, early on, and in, in when they first met, Paul and Vincent were, were irritated with the establishment in, in France, right? Uh, the artist establishment. Paul suggested that Vincent go south. Find a different light. He didn't because Vincent didn't like the light anymore. He just he thought it was gray and drabby, sort of like it is today, right? Mm-hmm. Here in here in a beautiful. So that's the thing they did. If they didn't like the light, they just leave the country. They wouldn't wait till noon the next day. Um, yeah, they just they wanted a more consistent light. They wanted things to be prettier, I guess. Right. You know, uh, which is funny because Gauguin he he painted more from uh, memory and from his mind. He preferred that, whereas Van Gogh really wanted to. I'm going to say Van Gogh for anybody listening, because I've said Van Gogh my whole life, and I know that's wrong. So if you're listening and you're going, it's not Van Gogh, it's Van Gogh. Yeah, but when I, you keep saying Van Gogh, it. it sounds like you're like starting choking. To, yeah, right. Trying to pronounce Gene Simmons' real name. Uh, I am. <laughs> right. Anyway, yeah, they went, he, uh, Vincent went south to a place called Arles, uh, France, which is on the Mediterranean coast. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the weather's beautiful there. It really is. I looked it up today to see what kind of climate it has and it's it's a mediterranean climate south of france just like you would imagine and i would say the light was probably really good you know overall i mean it puts me in mind of probably what san francisco uh in the same like if you're from that area you would know but he went there and created a commune for artists where he wanted or he was trying to create a commune for artists and he couldn't get anybody to take him seriously so he uh he tried and tried and tried to get Gauguin to come down and do this, and he wouldn't do it. Fortunately, Vincent's brother, the art dealer, uh, Teo uh, Van Gogh, paid Gauguin a monthly kind of a allowance. I hate to call it an allowance because it's really not what it is, but he would pay him money, so he would go. He just wanted to get him down there and say, okay, let's just do this and see what happens, mm-hmm. and in return, send me uh, a painting every month. So Gauguin was like, okay, all my expenses are paid. All right, I'll do that. So he went down there and over time realized that Gauguin and Van Gogh just, they didn't get along as good as what they had hoped. And after like nine weeks, 63 days, whatever it was, Van Gogh confronted (laughs) uh, Gauguin with a straight razor in in the streets or whatever. And it it looked like, you know, from what I'm reading, they probably, had some words, you know, I wouldn't say like angry words or anything, but I, I, I would say Van Gogh was having a, a nervous breakdown of sorts. And later that evening, he cut part of his ear off his left ear and wrapped it in newspaper and tissue and took it to the brothel where they both would hang out quite a bit and gave it to the barmaid <laughs> at the brothel that they knew. And, and she ate it. I don't know. I, I, I would like to know if she kept it and it's probably out there somewhere. Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully she got rid of it. Anyway, 
the point of all that? It, you know, they, they didn't work out, right? They, they got together. They were um, probably trying to, I don't know, I don't know the right words I'm trying to use here, but they, they were, Van Gogh certainly wanted him to boost his career as well. I'm sure mm-hmm. there was an ulterior motive there. And Gauguin had already uh, achieved some success. Van Gogh at the time was not successful in any way. Uh, in fact, he was getting a stipend from Teo or Teo from his, his brother Teo uh, to make money. Uh, that was the only thing he was doing. He wasn't selling any paintings. Kind of strange when you consider how the millions that they're worth today, right? Right, which is pretty sad, really. Uh, and and Van Gogh, uh, I, I should say, Gauguin left right after he to go fight Godzilla. No, he 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 said that I've had enough and uh, I'm leaving. So right after that, he he took off. They did correspond, I guess, after that. But uh, Van Gogh never really recovered from it and uh, ended up shooting himself shortly after. So he died uh, from his self-inflicted gunshot wounds. What kind of gun did he use? It was a revolver. I don't know what caliber it was. I would say probably around Where 38. Where did he shoot himself at? I've heard mixed uh, reviews. Some say he went to uh, the the field where he painted uh, the the sunflowers mm-hmm. and all that, and he shot himself in the stomach. Mm-hmm. And others say he was in the asylum where they put him after he cut his ear, and he shot himself in the chest. They give you guns in the asylum? That's what I'm trying to have. I'm, I'm having a rough time with that one. But it was the 18, late 1800s. Oh, yeah, it was wild then. Yeah, I want to say probably, all kinds of wild stuff. I think it was 1887. I should look that up. What do you think about that? I mean, when you talk about perfect strangers, is it is it wise, really, for us to... I mean, you know how when you meet somebody you really like and you treat them yeah. almost like a mentor and you're thinking, hey, if I could just get them to work with me for a while, this would be great. And then you realize they're a total dick. It, it's bad when people then inspire you so much. Sometimes it's a letdown. A lot of times they, they talk about that's why it's so exciting if you do meet someone and they they are everything you expected them to be and more. I think that I think just from a fan perspective or, or an art loving perspective or, you know, whatever medium that you're into, I think that's kind of a shame in a way. It's our own fault that we put these people are human beings and they have their own sets of wants, needs and quirks about them. And you're going to meet them in a, uh, you know, small amount of time, and you're not necessarily going to click, or even like in in their case with uh, Van Gogh and <laughs> and Gorgon. Gorgon, they uh, Gorgon, they uh, <laughs> they're trying to get together and they're trying to work together. It's something it's a little bit different, and I think that that also that's why a lot of bands don't work out. If you have a you have a a group that really respect each other, you know, it, guys in different bands. Like I really like that guitar player. He's, mm-hmm. he's really awesome. You've seen him a dozen times, but really you've only seen him doing his work an hour a day. You've only seen him 10 hours. You right. haven't spent time. They get together. You're spending all this time together on a bus or touring or trying yeah. to write. And you realize you don't like each other. I, <laughs> I think that's just part of no matter how much you are like in your art or you like the same thing, sometimes that doesn't translate into a personal relationship. Right. And you can't really force that. You can't create and you can't collaborate on art with someone if, if, if you can't. You have to respect them and 
you don't have to necessarily like each other, but you have to be able to get along mm-hmm. for the art's sake. It's just like staying together for the kids, which I think normally is a bad idea in right. a lot of cases, but some cases there is. There's a you you cause it, you might not stay together for the kids, but if you're working together to raise them, take them to, you know, go to their games or whatever, you're you got a truce, you got a common thing. There's a greater good that you're working towards. Right. And a lot of artists, um, a lot of bands, a lot of musicians, people that may may not care for someone else personally, they're able to set that aside for the greater good to continue to make great music. I mean, ZZ Top, from what I've been told, fucking hate each other. Like, hate each other really, really? bad. Yeah, I didn't know that. And uh, especially Frank. Frank and, and the other two does not get along. They don't talk. They don't hang out. They all come in separate separate buses, vans to the venue. They do their show and they and they leave, but for financial reasons and yeah. and that's to continue the van. That's not really much different than working someplace and having no. coworkers. Right. I mean, it, it's their job. It's what they do. You know. It, but you don't have to live with them. It's it's. I think it's uh, uh, music and and filmmaking and all this. You know, fine art isn't, isn't necessarily the same. But you know, these two guys getting together. And trying to maybe talk shop and give each other ideas, it's a little bit different. But right. at a lot of other mediums, it's not just you, and and everybody's got their finger right. in it. Right. And it's hard if you really don't like somebody. If 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 you don't like somebody at work that you're working right next to, you're yeah, you're creating something, you're making something, whatever the widget is mm-hmm. that you're putting out. But it's don't have as much as your of your soul and your blood in it, and it's really yeah. hard if you can't get along with someone. I've been in that. Right, I've been in right. that situation where I just did not like somebody I was playing music with, and it's just like, what's the fucking point? Right. There's also an implied, especially I'm going to say in in the music industry and film, uh, theater, anytime where you have more than one person, like you were saying, that I mean, it's an obvious collaborative effort mm-hmm. to produce the art that's going to be consumed by somebody else. There's always an implied uh, bit of respect that a lot of folks feel it's okay to go ahead and give advice to somebody else unsolicited, mm-hmm. right? You know, uh, perhaps you're a grip on a movie set, right? And somebody who's not a grip who's worked with other grips, see how others do it, like how others do it, and they give this other grip advice on how to do something, uh, it may not be well-received because that person just didn't want their advice. Even if it's a great idea, it, it sometimes kind of gets in the way. And I think, I don't want to step on any toes here, but I think that's a lot of the reasons why we have unions in theater and things mm-hmm. like that is because it's like, you know, stay in your lane because this is what I do. And that's not what you do. So, you know, we're part of a union. This is how it works. Don't move that fucking stand because you're not a grip, right? Right. Um, but as you mentioned in, in art, it can be different. However, I will say there's a lot of, uh, there's a movement right now with a lot of plain air painters. Uh, they get together in groups and they go places and paint. You know, like we have the Ohio plain air painters, which I've only really participated in one or two events over the years. I, I'd like to do a lot more. I just don't have a lot of time. And they tend to go out when I, I'm not at a place when I can do it. But you do get around other people, and then you do have a critique, usually. 
afterwards when people share what they think of your work. And generally speaking, it's um, helpful advice. You know, it's usually, it's not, nobody ever really brings anybody down because it's all fun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've never even experienced anything where somebody's really cut on somebody else, but opinions always fly. And that's the thing with strangers and, and perfect strangers in the, what we're talking about here, you just, you kind of get together with people and, um, you're going to hear opinions and how do we deal with that as artists? Because our egos often get in the way and we think our opinion is the best opinion because we're the artist, right? Mm-hmm. And, and generally speaking, I would say, yeah, you're right, because you've got to have that ego to create the art that you make. <coughs> I'm having a terrible time with this. Uh, COVID? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> I don't want it to be that. It's not that. It's just every, <laughs> every time I, I, uh, I ate before this, and I should not. I, I know better than to eat, especially the way I eat. I, I wolf down sandwiches. but We touched on this uh, back in episode uh, 31 about uh, outside influences. And if I, <laughs> You're being if, very specific. No, like, no, like, so, <laughs> I don't know what episode it was, but I remember, I remember we did, we, it, we just brushed up against it. And one of the things that, that, that I always remember as being a young bassist in a, in a band it used to drive me nuts when people be hanging around the band room while you're trying to write and somebody would have a, a suggestion that's not in the band, that's not in the, that's not playing or a dude's girlfriend or whatever. And that's why I don't, it, to this day, if I'm writing and we're, and we're really trying to write something, maybe, maybe not even so much if we're just jamming, just seeing what happened. But if we're writing, we got some frameworks of song we're trying to work on. Nobody's there. I don't want no one there. It, it's, it bothers me. It's a, I don't give a fuck what you think, mm-hmm. how that should go. I only, I barely care what the other two or three guys, four guys, woman, whatever, whoever I'm playing with, mm-hmm. I barely give a fuck what they think, right. you know, but, right. and we're all trying to work together because they have to be, they have to be as excited about this song as I am. And when you're trying to do something and, and, and I'm very, uh, calls and, and reaction. Mm-hmm. kind of person i'll do something somebody react to it there now it's it's become a new thing now it's our thing my thing and their thing has become our thing it's a baby it's hard enough to do that like i said with the people that you're that you trust and that you're playing it's going to be performing this song for the next five years or whatever i don't need some outside influence giving me opinions and cliff notes on what i'm doing i do not like that i don't want to hear it mm-hmm. i don't care but at the same point after it gets to a certain level, I have had that happen before where a guy's girlfriend would suggest a, maybe you should put a, a, a stop there. Not knowing what they were talking about or, you know, just, just, uh, you know, stop playing for a second and then right. come back with this and you might try it and it might be killer and it's cool and that's great, but there's a time for that and there's a time not to hear that. And if I play somebody music and they got cliff notes on, they think a background vocal should be here. I had that happen. Um, couple months ago somebody who i respect who's not really in a band but they're a, a pretty good you know singer and they do things and it's like it's like wow there's kind of uh there was a lot of space there and i would have done this and i would have done that and part of me was like well that's cool that's interesting it hit them a certain way it inspired them that made them think of that and the other point is well then go write your own fucking song and fill <laughs> up that space you, right you see what i'm saying there so yeah yeah but, but i'm secure enough at this point where i can I can filter that in and out, but it still irritates me. I don't. Right. It, yeah. It's just, there's a time and a place for that. Yeah, it is. 
there there is I and, and I feel as a, a as an artist you have to you have to a little piece of you has to be receptive to some maybe there is some ideas and maybe maybe you think they're wrong but that might that might give you a little piece of um a, a little kernel of inspiration for something else well you know maybe on this next one this and this and this that might be cool you mm-hmm. know that's an idea I feel like you got to steal ideas and take ideas and gather inspiration and from everywhere, every day, at all times. And if you just put a shield up and just automatically, it's like, well, you know, I'm not going to hear none of that. You may hear it and reject it. I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. Hear it and reject it. But you got to hear it. You got you to gotta think. You have to hear it and understand it to decide that they're wrong. If you don't really hear it, then how do you know? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, but, but what happens? What happens when you take the advice of somebody else and it becomes wildly successful beyond what you've ever done before and you think, shit, I'm going to be known for something I didn't really want to be known well, for. Well, it's like the cherry pie example. Exactly. exactly like that. Yeah. Let's go into that. Um, speaking of John Kennedy Oswald, <laughs> did you know that? That's his name. I knew it was John Oswald, but I didn't know yeah. it was John Kennedy. Yeah. Janie Lane. Yeah. We talked about Cleveland there at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I, look at you. Look from, at you and your your research and tying it all yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting good he, at this. I, I, well, I, but what I, I would have done. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, this is where we're different. We can we can bounce it off. But these we're ideas. part of the team. We yeah. don't have somebody else in here coming. Yeah, in and fuck say, a well, producer. We don't right. need a producer. Actually, yeah. I'd like to have a producer. Yeah, well, that would be different. But they would be part of the team. It's still they different. You're adding people. They would be. You're adding people to the team. You're not having the peanut gallery. Yeah. My friend Corey would be a good producer. Oh, you have a friend. Yeah, he listens to the show often. He's nearby. Just think about him. All Do the time. I know him? Yeah, Looney. I don't know. Yeah. Do I? Yeah, he was on the show once. Oh, Corey. Yeah. What? See there. Oh. All right. I you listening, Corey? I'm sure he is. Uh, anyway, back to uh, Jenny Lane. So from Warrant. From Warrant. Uh, it was a suggestion in their process of creating they had the album almost it? done it was going to be called, called uncle tom's cabin which is a great right great yeah song. yeah exactly and uh that was going to be the that was the cover that was the name of the album it was all and producers or whatever the record company they wanted this they wanted another song and they wanted something a little bit different and they wrote cherry pie in about five minutes they did <laughs> cherry pie and if you see interviews with Janie lane um you know he talked about next thing you notice he's doing He's, you know, it's cherry pie here, cherry pie that. He's judging cherry pie contests. It's <laughs> right. all like it's cherry pie. Yeah, and he married Bobby Brown, the uh, the model who was in the oh, yeah. video. Mm. Cherry pie. Yeah. Yes. What was we talking about? Oh, yeah. I know, right? But <laughs> is there anything more artistic than than a woman? I mean, they're just. No. I just love them. I love yeah, them all. Me too. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> anyway, um. No, the, but the, the album was Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinking no, Rich. That was the first album. Okay, the, that the, one went double platinum. But, yeah. And then this was their follow up. And oh, this was okay. called, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then instead of being called Uncle Tom's Cabin, it's called Cherry Pie. Oh. So, and then everything's Cherry Pie, and that's what they're known for. So, was it Dog Eat Dog? I think that was the third album. I know. I'm just throwing these around here. <laughs> I'm, I'm interrupting you because that's what we are. We're yeah. perfect strangers. We like to do this shit. Anyway, go on. I will kill you. Yeah, I know. No, but <laughs> but that's the thing. And that's, it's not about, I think it's a good song. It's a cool song. It's a, you know, it's just like. Uncle Tom's Cabin? 
No, Cherry Pie. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uncle Tom's Cabin. You got me all over the place. Yeah, Uncle Tom's Cabin. I love that song. We've MG Flash has actually talked about covering that. It'd be awesome. I like Down Boys best. That's on the first album. Yeah. Uh, And what is it? Heaven and uh, there's another one. Yeah, Heaven's a good one because it's, you know, we in the 80s, everybody had to have a ballad on one of their their EPs or whatever. But Cherry Pie, it come out. Everybody's, you know, Cherry Pie, that's the video, that's the single. Everybody's playing that. That's their hit. That's their. Yeah. That's what they're known for. They're Cherry Pie band, and real you, hooky. Yeah, and if you and it's real. It's just syrupy pop, yeah. talk rock, yeah. hair metal. You right, know, just right. poison esque. Yeah, it's just very. Yeah. But but they were trying to be. Which yeah, they are in. They are in that. In that, what's the word I'm looking for? They're part of that family. But you know, like bands like Skid Row, that was harder. They weren't. Yeah, they weren't really cock rock, but they were, you know, right. Tesla. Yeah, they were more, they were more hard rock bands, but they were part of the hair metal thing too. You can't get away from it, right? Um, but Janie, Janie was, in my opinion, a much better singer songwriter, musician in in that regard than even what Warrant allowed him to be. Who who was their main producer in their record company? Was that was that another one of those? I can't remember. You know, we're going to make you look like everybody else, do like everybody else, because that's a formula that sells. I'm, I'm sure it, it was. It, I'm sure, yeah, that had to be an aspect of it. But, I mean, it worked, and they were, you know, yeah. it was the 80s. But he lost his art for the sake of success in some regard. Right. And I know it bothered him. He was, I mean, you could see it. The 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 He's interviews. Talk, he talked about it. Yeah, maybe, publicly yeah. talked about it. And uh, I didn't know him personally, but, you know, it was just one of those things where you just, you start to wonder... If he was in Dawkins, what would it be? I mean, he wouldn't have had the success, probably. But what would it have been called Waldo? <laughs> right. Um, I mean, can you imagine that? Just, I'd hate to get rid of Don, because Don's a hell of a Why? singer, too. But. I don't think it's as much as if he was in another band, another successful band, or whatever. I think it's more, I don't know what would happen if he would have told them to go fuck themselves. Um they, right, they had already had one successful album, and I feel like that they probably could have got away with saying no. Called the album "Uncle Tom's Cabin," and they wouldn't have had cherry pie. And then right. when it got played on MTV every <laughs> right, second of right. the day, I don't know would it have affected how much success they had at the time? Would it have affected? Um, would they had more long term success because of maybe they would have had more cre- credibility because. The rest of the songs on that album are more serious and more like hard rock. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Band, you know, you're throwing a lot out. Are you going to have a career like Rush, where you don't really have a bunch of hits, but you still get some radio play, and you just you just put out an album every couple of years and still just do or Slayer. Slayer's a better yeah. example of that. They just put out the same album, yeah. uh, you know, every couple of years until they retired, and they didn't change their their formula too much, but except for right around the uh, the new metal craze they did put out an album yeah. that was kind of new metally, but I wonder, I wonder the film, if if feature films have this same dynamic, we just don't see it. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Well, they do. I mean, think about um, think about Justice League. That's a great example of it. You got a movie that was had at one tone and uh, um, was going a certain way. Zack Snyder jumps off because of the his daughter's suicide and and yeah. and because of family things. And then who was it? Joss Whedon comes in right. and tries to capitalize on the success Marvel's happen, having with a kind of more lar- lighthearted 
stuff. You can watch these movies back to back and see how different they are in yeah. tone and in visual. And it's it's a totally different movie because somebody, yeah. the studios, they they wanted to they wanted something more lighthearted. They wanted something with yeah. some comedy into it. And that's exactly what it is. The record label wanted a, a hit, wanted something more lighthearted. Cherry I, pie, man. I think the underlying issue here is, you know, we can't formulize our art. I mean, you can for a level of success. I mean, it, it's clear. There's proof of that by following a, a given example, a cookie cutter layout, but at the expense of the art. That's the sacrifice. And I, I think this could go into a lot of different directions, but I personally, one of the reasons why I don't mind having a job is because I can be true to my art and not focus so much on, I got to eat with this. So I'm not going to, you know, succumb to whatever formula works and throw art that I don't really care about just so I can sell it, you know. But you have that luxury. There's other artists that don't. Right. I mean, yeah. If you lost yeah. if you lost your day job tomorrow, yeah. as much as you dislike doing weddings and graduation pictures, uh, you may have to go back to that to make ends meet. Right. It's like But I don't have a day job. I'm an artist during the day. Right. Well <laughs> our night jobs. You know what I mean though. <laughs> but I I think that's a you know, it's just a different that's just a different animal. I mean I, I remember getting disillusioned with that kind of thing and with labels when I was watching the, um, I might have mentioned this once last year, I can't remember, but um, there's a, I love studio documentaries where the bands are in the studio and, and they're recording and, and all the stuff that goes along. I love that. I've right. always loved that. I love being in the studio myself. Yeah, I love yeah. everything about it. So I was watching one with Aerosmith when they were doing Pump. Now, if anyone that's familiar with Aerosmith, Pump is not a, Old record. This is one. This is after permanent vacation. Mm -hmm. um, it had a lot of hits on it, but but what I'm saying, they already had. They were already a huge band in the 70s. Right. This is the this is the the late 80s, I believe, yeah. early 90s. I can't remember. They were getting out of their alcohol and drug addictions. Yeah. And yeah. A wildly to get back at it. by by any metric, Aerosmith at the time was a wildly wildly successful band. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm watching this documentary on there and the. The, the fucking guy from the label, producer, whoever it was, he come in and was like, well, I don't really hear the hit and you guys really need to do some songs that's like this and, and I don't like this song and that's not going to make the album this and that. And I just thought, my heart just sank. Right, he's just a, a twerp in a suit, right? Yeah, but I thought, <clears throat> these guys at this level that already have all this success, they have a name, they have a track record, they have written songs and they still have to take orders yeah, and and cliff notes from these guys. It's like that's when I just realized that it was never going to happen yeah. for me like that. Just never. Well, I think too we're we're kind of going down a little bit of a negative route on this. Uh, sometimes that collaboration, that that outside influence, that perfect stranger that walks in the room and says, "Hey, do this instead," does help. Oh yeah, and it does give you a good idea and may steer you in the right way. Maybe. Maybe you're not doing it exactly the way you should be doing it, and all of a sudden you get that aha moment because they brought something up. It it really may be the cor the course correction you need as a creative. To uh, well, that's what good know. music producers do, and that's 
I know or when I was young, I didn't want to hear, I, I wrote this bass line. I wrote this song. This is how it's going to go. I didn't want to hear your, I don't care. But I know that um, as I got older and when we recorded some albums and had, uh, you know, Brian Muth mm-hmm. um, produced a, a couple albums that I was involved in, in, in my metal bands and, and he always had ideas and he had stuff to try. And I'll try. I think you got to be open-minded to try anything. And if you do it and it's great, then awesome. You guys work together. If you did it and you didn't like it, then you don't have to use it. And he had some great ideas and he had some ideas that I didn't like. And, but that opened me up. That, that showed me that, yeah, I can listen to somebody's opinion from an outside. I'm, sometimes you get too close to a painting. You get too close to a song. Mm-hmm. You get too close to a sound. And it helps you. And then when we started working with um, um, Brian, um, Brian Brody, mm-hmm. I, I got too many Brians in my life. Right. But Brian Brody, he produced the uh, MG Flash uh, CDs, and he really, honestly, and truly became the fourth member mm-hmm. because he had ideas. And by then, we were all mature enough we could we could accept ideas and we could we could hear things and not just be defensive. That's the thing. You're it's just my baby. Don't don't comment on this. This is I right, know what I'm right, doing. Right. But if you if you can grow up enough to not be defensive, then you can you can disseminate it and you can use what's good absolutely and filter out out what isn't good. Yep. And it's a great thing. It's this, a great thing. This led me listening to you talk made me think that Ramble. this is important for visual artists who do work alone. That I'm, I'm, if you're a painter and you're listening to the show and you're thinking it's all fine and good, but I don't have a producer. I don't have somebody. I don't. You know, well, your your customer is your producer. Your gallery owner who sells your work is your producer. You know, take advice. Listen to what they have to say. You don't have to do everything everybody says. But well, that's the difference. You said take advice. Are we taking advice? Or are we listening to advice? Because there's a difference. Because I don't think we can always. You have to decide if you're going to take the advice. Well, but you should listen to it. Let me let me let me capitalize on what you just said. <laughs> when I say take advice, I'm saying store it away, put it mm-hmm. in a vault, and save it because it may come back to be something that you can use. Maybe you want to tweak that advice. Maybe you want to go that course direction. You know, you know, correct your course a little bit to try something else. I think it's important as creatives that we we do listen to the people around us because. To some degree, the art is for the audience. Right. We create it, the, the process as, as artists, the process is the part we love, and the finished product is the part the audience loves. If we can make this all happen, then the audience will pay us for the process. And that's the goal, I think, for most of us. You want to get paid to do what you love, right? You want to sit down and, and do the things that you do because it makes you happy or it moves you or it just, it makes you wake up in the morning. And that's the goal. I don't know. I think we've moved to last call. Already? Yeah. Already. We've been at it for a while. I'm, I'm, I don't want to bore anybody. Well, I got a question for you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So. Are in last call or? I don't know. We can be, this is, this is next to last call. Next to last. Next to last call. Next to last call. No, but <laughs> not so rapid fire. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. No, he's not here. <laughs> no, but you do you do amazing lifelike 
paintings of well we got a lot of we got a lot of whiskey bottles and such in here right <laughs> right right but if you painted if you painted a cicada because we got the cicadas getting ready to come out is the cicada what's more yeah no i don't want any more you, you drink that uh and you got paid a lot of money for that and now all of a sudden you found the niche of being the insect guy and now you're just going to paint insects <laughs> insect guy and you're and you're doing it and people this guy bugs me. and people like it <laughs> Are you going to be satisfied that, that you're known for that, even though you've got this other work here that is brilliant, but now you're the bug guy. You paint two-dimensional bugs on canvas, and this is what you're known for. Well, I wouldn't want them to be two-dimensional. I'd want them to look three-dimensional. They'd be two-dimensional in, produ- in production. Yeah, it wouldn't bother me at all. If, if I found success that way, and I was able to do it. But you can do so much more. And is this not going to bother you? Well, that's the You're thing. You're not going to feel like you want people. It's just like Janie Lane. He's like, yeah, okay, I'm cherry pie guy. But listen to this song I did. Listen, listen, I put my heart yeah, into this. But he 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 did solo projects. He did, but they and he didn't, enjoyed. But it. he never uh, achieved this. That's our judgment, though. The we don't know what kind of happiness he had doing. He that. didn't have. He wasn't happy. I think he was. He was not. Happy. I think he was just a depressed person to begin with. Maybe, but. Um, I'm saying, yeah, success is, okay, well, success is. Because we've is, talked about uh, this a lot. What's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, subje- subjective. Success yeah. is subjective. But let's pretend like it's not. Let's pretend like success is measured <laughs> by. How much money you make. Sales, and, ticket right, sales. Right. Okay. We'll say it don't even matter money. It's asses in the seats. How many people's coming yeah. to see you? And if, they, if they're only coming to see you when you're playing, when you're writing stuff like cherry pie and you're painting two-dimensional. Locust. <laughs> it's got to bug you a little bit. You can do so much more. <laughs> As he says, it's got to bug you. No, no, I don't, I don't you're see it that playing, way, though. You know, you're playing a three-quarter. There's a, look it, at Yes. Yes is a good example. I know, but it, it doesn't really. I think the, the term of genre comes into play here. Musicians really can't jump from genre to genre. And when they do, it really, it kills their momentum, right? I mean, with the exception of pop and country, right? You know, there's still a lot of cross genre activity there, but you can't take, you know, if Lamb of God all of a sudden started playing uh, hip hop, it probably wouldn't fly so well if it was a totally different sound. No, but Mr. Big is a good example. Okay, Mr. Big is awful. They- you're out of your mind. But but people listening to the show right now have no idea who Mr. Big is. Either. Billy Sheehan, bud, they know who Mr. Big is. They've t- listened to me. T- if they listen to this show, they've listened to me name drop Billy Sheehan a, a lot. Yeah. And and there's a, an example of a guy who you who you meet. I do like and, him. And he lives up to Yeah. He's he is a guy that just feels like that it's his job to impart his wisdom and everything he can to help other young artists. And it's a yeah, beautiful sort thing. Sort of like Dave from uh, Megadeth. Dave. Which, is which he like that? Just kicked him out of the band again. Oh, that Dave. The other yeah. Dave. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think they kicked him out of the band. I think it was a mutual. It was. CEO. It didn't seem mutual to me. You don't think so? No. They pulled the trigger too quick on uh, that. Yeah, they do. We'll talk about that in the next episode. Yeah. Masturbation online. Is it okay? <laughs> but, no, but, but Mr. Big is a band that have all these guys that are virtuosos doing all this high technical stuff yeah. and they're known for uh, to be with you. And they don't shy away from that. They like playing that, but there is a certain amount of, this is, this is not, 
that wasn't who they were. Thankfully, because that's a horrible. I that's hate a that good song. song. That's a good song, but that's nothing like all the rest of their stuff. Yeah, Saigon Kick, same thing. Um, yeah, but if I listen, to Love Sons is on of, the way. If I listen to Sons of Apollo today, it's just so different from. I mean, obviously, all music's different, but I listen. You know what I mean? But if they, it's got, a different Sheehan. It's still Sheehan. It's not even different, really. I hate to even say that. We're going to disagree on this because Mr. Big just was awful. I, that feels to me like the the corporate producers were putting together a, a a super band when it was popular for all the greats to get together and start doing solo projects with a group. <laughs> and it it sucked. I hated it. You don't I, think I to be with you is a good song? No. It's a good song. That's a, that's the point, though. It's a good song. There is no pyrotechnics. It's overproduced. There. It's repetitive. It's overly hooky. It's, it's old annoying. But it's good. It's still it's good. And I don't recall any drums in it. No, there's like a little See? like an, yeah. That's what made it's it not awesome. Music <laughs> didn't have a drummer to ruin everything. Yeah, there's no beat. But <laughs> we don't have to keep time. We can play like regular musicians. But if so, if sons of, if sons of Apollo put out a you got their second record? No. Because I got the first one. I hate it. Yeah. And it's got my favorite, one, one of my top three favorite singers and one of my top three favorite bassists in it. Yeah, Bamboozle's playing. But if you... <laughs> it's not Bamboozle. If all the... Bumblehead. Bumble, Bumblefoot. Bumble. Bumblefoot. Uh-huh. Bumblefoot. What is it? <laughs> I know. Uh, what's his first name? It's something Thal is his last name. Rosen. Rosen Thal. No. <laughs> God, how many beers have you had? It's not that you're not even that strong. I'm fucking off. I'm anyway, I'm, fine. I'm, I'm way away to, from the microphone too. I'm trying to be serious here. <laughs> I know. So if they put out a, 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 I'm trying to a three chord Nirvana song and it just connects and it becomes their their hit, it's not it's not what this band is about. They, I'm, I'm painting bugs. You're gonna sell your soul to paint bugs. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna sell my soul to the locust. <laughs> you have pissed me off. I know I have. I just I, I don't, we need I don't, sound effect for that. We do, but it's not just about. There's other. <laughs> there's other. If I remember right, um, the cat that painted the Mona Lisa. What's his name? Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, he wasn't that all that fond of that painting, was he? Didn't you tell me that once? Well, he didn't he was, think it was he that was, great. I don't, I don't. We don't really have record of that, but we we know that. What he does was, Instagram say? <laughs> we know he was very um, interested in getting rid of the brush strokes. You know, and he wanted to hide that. Yeah, and it irritated him. It, it, can we? I mean, that's the most famous painting of all time. Can't we? Is there another painting that's more famous, even more famous than the Scream or some of these other ones? Oh my God! Say. Yeah, I, I think not more than the Mona Lisa, but I think you know, there's. I wouldn't put the Scream even anywhere. No, but but that's a pretty. You can see that it transcends art. It's become pop culture, and that's the yeah, Mona Lisa's like yeah. that though. Everyone knows what the Mona Lisa is. I cannot think of another painting that is as famous as that. Yeah, it's hard for me because they're all in my head. Right, but you're an art guy. You know? Yeah, but yeah. So, well, do you know what Night Watch is? The, the movie, night, the Night Watch, the painting, the oh. Night Watch. Uh, no, I've probably seen it. I just don't know. That's what's called. Um, I think of something else. You meant. the the girl with the pearl earring. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Hmm. I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, but because I cut you off. But what would Da Vinci would Da Vinci be? a little put off by the fact that he's most known for DiCaprio or no, uh, <laughs> that he's most put off that he's most known for the Mona Lisa. 
I don't think so because he he was a true Renaissance man too. I mean, he was an architect. He was a designer. He was an inventor. You know, he, he yeah, was, and he's known for that. But the Mona Lisa is his most. For that. But his the but Mona Lisa is his most famous work. That's what he's. That is the first thing you think of. Yeah, not all this other stuff that he's done. I mean, honestly, when I think of Da Vinci, I actually think of Vitruvian Man. That's the one that I think of the most. But that's just but me. that's you and your nerd. So, <laughs> but do you but, see what I'm getting at here? I do, like, and I never answered your question. Would it? Would I paint? He had yeah, so absolutely. Much, he had so much more to offer. May he had paintings that he thought was better if he was worried about these brush strokes and different things, and then. This is that's this the artist struggle, though. This you, is his you, legacy. But yeah, you you try to you, you do what as an artist. I think all of us that's our struggle. We 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 put these things together and we say, "I want to get better at this. I want to do this." We're frustrated because we're not where we want to be, and we push, and that's what makes us different. That's what makes us great. We 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 go beyond our limits. If you don't. You're like every other schmuck out there making something, right? Yeah. I mean, if you just learn how to do the thing and do it, yeah, okay, you'll have mild success, you'll do your thing, but you're not any different than anybody else. But on the inward struggle, if you really push it and say, I want to do what I got to do, and if somebody comes to me and says, you need to paint more bugs, and I start painting bugs, and I start doing really well with bugs, I'm going to goddamn well do bugs. I'm serious. because. It will provide me the money I need to do it all the time because it's not the product that excites me. It's the process. It really is. I mean, if you've ever watched my YouTube videos, I get really stupid, right? I get really stupid about trying to analyze the smallest details. Right. And it's not important. And that usually hangs me up. And that's what gets me frustrated with videos. But the work is a big part of it for a lot of artists. Yeah. but there are some of us that it's also, you want to be able to step back from a finished product and be proud of it. And if you're known for something that you're not 100% proud of and you have things that you love so much, it's kind of, there's got to yeah. be, that would tear you up. I I've think. divorced myself of that because like a lot of artists listening, if we become a super fan of our last product, we don't want to sell it it becomes difficult to let go of it because a lot of times, like in music, it's different. In music, you produce something and it goes out to many and you have several copies of it and that sort of thing. A lot of times with art, there's one. Right. And when it's gone, it's gone. You don't, you're not, you don't own that anymore. You don't tangibly hold it anymore. Yeah, that's wild to me. It's just gone. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like having a child and saying, off you go, and you never see them again. You might see them in pictures, but you can never touch them again. You can never look at it again. You can't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the difference between a, a I don't, I don't want to even compare it that way, but I divorced myself basically of the whole admiration of the finished product for the sake of I'm producing this to sell it. I'm producing this to give it away. Yeah. And I think that's where the visual artist in me kind of, takes over on that regard. So to answer the question again, it's, I don't care what it is. If it's providing me the ability to move paint on a canvas, then mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. That's interesting to me. As long as I'm in my own 
genre and style. Mm-hmm. If someone come to me and says, do a cubist version of a locust, nah, I ain't going to do it. Cuban locusts are different? Cubist. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right, last call. Jackson Pollock, even. Well, you know, like if I were to go with a Jackson Pollock. But what Pollock, if you did? What if you did a Jackson Pollock thing as a joke or as a uh, as an art exercise and you're doing a, you're on uh, Twitch and you're doing the whole thing and you're you're doing all this. No, I'm serious. I'm glad you said that. I would change my name to John Kennedy Oswald and I'd be a famous painter. No, I'm serious though. <laughs> and you do this. You could call me Yaney. And and you're like, <laughs> we're we're gonna do a we're gonna do an exercise on doing something out of our style. And you do this Jackson Pollock thing, and people just go fucking. Nuts it doesn't matter. I wouldn't enjoy the process. Are you gonna? Are if somebody tells you that they'll give you five thousand dollars to make them another one? I would not. They told you they'd give you $10,000 to make another I one. I would not. They gave you $1 million. To I make would. Another. I know. And my see, name would change. I see. That's the thing. And I'd cut my hair and I'd become Nickelback. <laughs> see how easy that yeah. was to bring that all back in. I, I'm a man of few thoughts. <laughs> that's it. You're a drummer. Would you, would you, would you drum? Would well, you, I can count to four, damn would, it. Would you drum for Nickelback if something happened? Their drummer yeah, broke and yeah. Broke I mean, I make fun of this stuff all the time, but I, I admire them. I have mm-hmm. respect for them. I don't buy their music. I don't listen to their music. And now are you okay with being known as, as the, you're the fill-in drummer for Nickelback? Not, yeah. Not Mike, Mike Walsh, the, <laughs> the painter. Wow. All right. Yeah, it wouldn't matter. Huh? It wouldn't matter. Because right. the, uh, the perfect stranger involved here would be, I would just be that guy playing drums. Mm-hmm. Then it'd be a collaborative effort. So see how this all just works out. I'm taking the advice of somebody else and just going off and doing my thing. And I'm still me. I would still do the yeah, things I, I do. do it. People's been joking with me. It, and- Dude, I already work in a job. Think about it this way. I work a job that I don't want to do to make ends meet so that I can do the things I want to do. So what was the difference? Oh, I can't do it, man. Cause this is, this is great. I'm glad you, it's because <laughs> oh, I can't every, do it. everybody's he been says. joking with me about, so uh, you're going to try to audition for Megadeth. Now let me make it very clear, very clear to, yeah. I am not, I do yeah. not have the technical ability to yeah. play Megadeth songs. I'm not that fast. I'm not that, I'm well, not maybe that that's precise. what they need. They need a sloppy bass player. <laughs> well, if Dave, if I Dave, love would, you, Paul. if Dave, if Dave would call me and and give me the gig and let me do what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. man, I'd love that. Would be awesome because Dave Mustaine is a huge influence on me as a musician. Yeah, even though um, you know, he's kind of an asshole sometimes in, in the press, bad. but everybody That's, yeah. is. He's I, always been really kind to me. As a photographer. Well, and that's awesome. And which is weird because a lot of times photographers at music concerts are typically like the, the gum left over on your shoe when you walk right. around, you know, nobody will, nobody really likes them there, but they want to look at the pictures afterwards. But people, and people grow up and stuff too. I know I had some friends that he was kind of shitty with uh, at a NAM show one year, but you're talking about a guy who in the course of his life being alive for 50 or 60 years. Yeah. He's, your people are allowed to have a, a bad day yeah, or whatnot. But absolutely. He seems to have had quite a few bad days. But We are really getting into some time. Well, here. you can cut some of this out, but... <laughs> I much We're prefer, just here to talk and drink, man. I We're just having to recording it. <laughs> Megadeth with Ellison. I've seen him with yeah, him, and I've yeah. seen him without him. And yeah, I'm much the same pre- way. But, but finish my thought. Yeah. If, uh, if I was asked to go and do that, and I was going to get paid what I'm making now, yeah. or... or 
20 grand more than, than what I make yeah. at, at my evening job. Right. I couldn't do it. I could not be happy going and playing those songs. Really? That, that I, no, it would just steal my soul. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. You I'm not going to play that. You got to let go of your soul, man. Let somebody else have it. It's not. <laughs> I would rather. I would rather play my songs to 300 people and work my my day job so I can do what I want to do. That's yeah. just how. Now, if I was well, going, yeah, the process comes in. If in, I was going to make 50 grand yeah. more or something, then yeah, I would. Uh, I would do it. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get on to last call. People uh, listening probably want to finish that drink if they haven't already, or grab another one. That's they've opened up the second six pack, but I'm sure of it. I would like to hit this uh, next can of beer because this went uh, fast today. I it mean, did we, go fast. It's always we, better when you piss me off. I think the fans, the fans like it when we <laughs> we have some conflict. Well, I said earlier that. Uh, Janie Lane was uh, I, I may have implied that Janie Lane was from Cleveland he's actually from Akron yeah. but he's northern Ohio so I had to, had to it's south Cleveland. I wanted to toss that in there before <laughs> we got too far into rapid fire rapid fire alright I'm going to try to keep us relatable to the episode even alright let's wrap it up have you ever been given advice you didn't like but did it anyway and have it turn out better than you expected yeah, and I um in the studio, uh, there were some vocal ideas about doing some stuff that I thought was really stupid, um, like uh, singing certain words high or low. Like if you're saying low, actually saying the word low, then do an underneath of it low, mm-hmm. and or stuff like that. I thought that's the dumbest thing ever, and it's cool. It's some of the things I noticed. 20 years later when I listen back to some of these songs it's like man that's kind of neat there's some there's yeah. interesting production value so there's there's just there is something to be said with letting go and seeing what happens yeah awesome would you or have you ever used a stage name yes I have several do you want to share well I got Pigpen and the Dan Haters yeah so that's my stage name and the Dan Haters I got the uh, Paul Rocket. I used to go by that. Paul Rocket. Paul I didn't Rocket. know that. Yeah, I used to go by that. It was just it was never on the like Ricky. It was yeah. <laughs> except for but I spelled Rocket like Rock and yeah. then dash it. Yeah. Paul Rocket. Yeah. But it was just kind of a joke because there was a there was a guy in a local band who went by Buddy Rocket. And I thought it was funny. Paul and Buddy. And Rocket. then we just used to we used to call him I used to call him Paul Rocket. And then um in uh in, in uh Crucible of Hate, I was yeah. the bass player, and it's even on the on our demo. Right. I'm a doctor abortion. <laughs> right. I'm not an abortion which, doctor. Which is so rough. I'm not an abo- and then I always have to explain I'm not an abortion doctor. That just happens to be my name, just like a guy's named John Carpenter. He's a great director, but can he's he, not a carpenter. Can can he make a <laughs> can he make a wooden chair? Well, no. maybe he can. Maybe he can, but but you shouldn't assume that. You shouldn't assume that just by his name. <laughs> It said, but even in the liner notes, it was Dr. Abortion, the uh, amateur gynecologist. So. Oh, amateur gynecologist. Oh, my God. We just lost everybody listening. But, I don't know why. It's a it, fun thing. I played it, it, bloody Dr. Scrubs, like, yeah, uh, yeah. like Dr. Funk from Yeah, uh, you did look Prince. pretty rough. It's awesome. I missed that a little bit. Yeah, artistic. In a creative license. collaboration, how important is it to remain open-minded? If you're in a collaboration, it's uh, imperative. That's the only way it can work. That's the whole, I don't know. That's if you, the whole point, yeah. Yeah, that's collaborations right in the fucking yeah, name. Exactly. You have to be open-minded. You are collaborating. And even if you're in a band and you're writing most of the songs or 
or you've written a song, you have to be open to somebody's interpretation. Now you can shoot that down, but you have to, if you just shoot it down before it even happens, before they even try anything, then you're not collaborating. You need to save that for your solo project. Hire some studio. How interesting would it be to just collaborate with total strangers? As as we're talking about perfect strangers. I I I think that would be kind of cool. Kind of like you've never met, never really had a preconceived notion of what they think or whatever, and you just kind of get together in a, a think tank type environment where you can just create, see what happens. I love that. Kind I think of stuff. it'd be fun. Yeah. You don't know each other. That's the thing. When you work, when you work with someone for long enough, you kind of know yeah. kind of what they're thinking. You kind of yeah. know if they're going to like that or not. It's you like walking in a minefield. Uh, sometimes it is like walking yeah. in a minefield because you don't want to say certain things that you know triggers that other person. Right. It's like, oh, fuck, I can't do this because... Exactly. It's going to stop our flow, you know, and it always happens. I've played in bands like that where you just can't, I'd, some I'd things you just part, can't say. Part of a project where we got some people together and we just all, okay, this is the four of us. We don't really know each other. We've never played together. Right. Let's write a tune real quick and yeah. see what, what we're doing. Yeah, what happens with it's it. awesome. That is awesome. All, all right, right, Mike, thanks. Yeah, this was a good show, I think. I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it. I'm sure if you're listening and. Well, it's li- too late now. You know, How are you going to jinx it? What? If it was a bad show, or it was a bad show. Well, we don't make bad shows, I don't think. There's some bad podcasts out there. Is there? I yeah. don't listen and to And you podcasts. know I don't believe in good and bad, so I'm just making this shit up. You don't up, believe right? in things that you should do either. And No, uh, that's right. All right, do you have any final thoughts? No, I really don't. I think yeah. I've, I've regurgitated <laughs> uh, my brain. You threw everything out there. Out there, yeah. This uh, this perfect strangers beer is pretty good. Well, I'm glad you got some. Yeah, me and too. I got more at the house. I'll probably never drink. So when you stop by, where did you get this at? Jungle Gems. Jungle Gems. Oh, and I got all this hot sauce. I might try tonight. Yeah, nice. I got some bourbon cream too. I'm gonna make a white Russian with it tonight. And yeah, we 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 uh we corresponded we, on that uh, because it's a bourbon cream versus Kahlua. You're gonna make a white Russian. Yeah, what's and the difference? I mean, what's, I, I, what do you I think was trying be? to find. I know I was really having is a rough a time. Where you do that? I don't. I don't know because it's still got vodka in it, so I would still want to have and, Russian in it and cream. Uh, Southern Russian. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. What's I a Southern too. Russian town? Siberia is north, correct? Yeah, I don't know. Kiev, Kiev. That's is that Ukraine? I my my geography over there is not good. Um. Yeah, I'd go Southern Russian. That sounds actually pretty good. It's easy. We'll see if I like it. I don't want to waste a good name on something that sucks. I'm I'll sure, let you know tonight. I'm sure Emmy is cream. You know, it'd be good. Is it? Yeah. I, mean, I you, tried. I use it. Use. I've done those with Bailey's instead of the white. Right, the, right, the, right. The Kahlua, and they're good too. But yeah, I'd call that a green Russian. Oh, that's yeah. good. Look, yeah. look at you thinking on your feet. <laughs> is there a way that you can make it green without using food coloring, though? Uh, you're the That'd green guy. You did a whole fucking special <laughs> on green. You tell me. I don't know. I don't know. We're we're making drinks up now. I need well, a bar. You could put That's gr- what we need. If we ever get like Joe Rogan esque on the show, we can get a producer. We'll have we'll have Corey do that, and then we'll have a bartender slash comedian, shit. which would be perfect. We hey, could we have know Lori. a bartender slash comedian. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, you, do you think she listens to the podcast? I don't know. I think sometimes. I don't even know if she listened to her own episode. You don't listen to them. No. Why, why am I listening <laughs> to them? I hear. I, they're so much better when you listen to them, though. I got better things Because I cut all your shit out. Well, but that's, <laughs> it's better that way. <laughs> all right. Share this episode. Subscribe if you are not already. And I'd love for you to leave us a review. 
I'm thankful all. I don't know why I said review so hard. <laughs> I think I'm drinking a little too much. You just want to review us so I you know they're listening. I got to mow the grass. I'm in a hurry here. And we're, well, fuck you we're, then. We're kind of beyond my little window of opportunity is almost over. All right. I'm going to say it anyway. For sex? No, she's going to go out oh. for a little Sex? She's going to go. <laughs> she's going out for sex. Yeah. All my right. Wife's, wife's leaving for you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's what we do. All right, I got to wrap this up. I'm thankful for all of you listening, shared your time with us, and I sincerely hope this episode got you thinking about your own creative journey. And I hope you had a little giggle at my expense, because Paul sure certainly has. Goodbye, Paul. and welcome to the Whole Walks Apart podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for being here as we start falling apart at the end. Are you still <laughs> There's laugh. I love it when he goes crazy like this. No, I just I had a good time. <laughs> All right. Until next time, may your drinks be tasty and your muse be thirsty. And I'm going to throw in everybody needs a Paul. <laughs> I'll give you some. All right. I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> yeah. All right. Have a great couple weeks. Let's cheers. Nostrovia. Yeah, that too. <laughs> the shizzle. Yeah. Oh. It's warm. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> he still doesn't like it. I love it. It's good. I got one more can. I know. I hooked you up. That's oh, perfect. I thought about my friend Mike, who I love and adore. <laughs> Eek, leave, <deek. laughs> All right, go mother oh, ass. Yeah. Are we still recording? We are still recording. All right, then. I'm going to let it fade out. That's what I do. And then you... <laughs> quieter. I always put an Easter egg in there for you. Do you notice that? Yeah. yeah. You'll be saying something and- real faint in the background I, I always wonder if you ever hear it I do in the edit I'm like that's creepy I can't believe it